0: This is John Martinka and a video Getting the Deal Done podcast. And today's topic is titled, Is Goodwill Really All That Good? Now, before we get into that subject, my background here is the beautiful island of Antigua, where normally in February I would be there. I would be there on a rotary project working in the schools, but thanks to COVID, we didn't go this year. So as I record this in March, I would normally just have been returning. But let's talk about goodwill because there's a lot of goodwill in Antigua. Believe me, it's a, uh, it's a just a beautiful place. So I'm going to give you a little primer on goodwill. Uh, I was talking to a business owner recently and the question of goodwill came up as in what is goodwill? And I'm not going to give you a technical definition. There are books and articles that go into great detail of all of that. But for most of us, a simple definition works best. And to me, the simple definition is goodwill is the value of the company based on its profits, less the value of the assets. So let me give you an example. We got a company, they've got a million dollars in assets. They're making a million dollars a year of earnings. Let's say they're roughly worth $5 million on the market. There's about $4 million of goodwill. Uh, It's it's a pretty simple thing to to calculate in that sense. Uh, Now, there are different kinds of goodwill, which we're going to get into. But before we do that, let's talk about other terms, because one other term is blue sky. What is blue sky? It is not goodwill. Goodwill is based on profits. Blue sky is potential, based on potential. And while every business buyer out there wants potential, they don't want to really pay for it. They'll pay a little bit more, but they're not going to pay based just based on the potential of the company. Another term you might hear is airball. Now, let me tell you, if a banker seriously uses the term airball, they are not, repeat, not going to give you a business acquisition loan. That's old school banking. And I was doing a presentation at a bank of a couple of years ago, and one of the bankers who I've known for years said, With all these new businesses, these service types, these software companies, they make a lot of money, but they don't have a lot of stuff we can get as collateral. We as bankers have to adapt to be comfortable lending to them based on cash flow. And cash flow lending is a Predominantly a feature of SBA loans. So, to the, S, to the SBA program, and by the way, the SBA does not make loans. The Small Business Administration guarantees a high percentage of the loan to the issuing bank, the bank that underwrites it to their underwriting standards. But they are a cash flow lender. They don't need stuff they can liquidate for the full value. Yes, they will take collateral, but they are a cash flow lender. And for small, mid sized deals, that works great. It's a $5 million limit. But what if you do? What do you do if you're above $5 million in in value? Well, there's mezzanine debt, also known as junior debt, which comes at a higher interest rate because it's subordinate to the first senior debt bank loan. A seller note might be considered junior debt. But then there's also hybrid programs. So, my friend Lisa Forrest with Live Oak Bank has a variety of programs. Not only are they a huge SBA lender, but they have junior debt, they have conventional debt, they have hybrids where they mix and match that they can get up to about double the $5 million size of an SBA loan. And they will underwrite them the same way, um, they will do cash flow lending. They may need a higher down payment than the SBA program, but they're designed for acquisitions. But then let's move into something a little different, and that's negative goodwill, because you can have negative goodwill when the value of the company is less than the value of the assets. So my previous example, let's say instead of a million dollars of income earnings, there was 150000 And the business is worth half a million dollars, not five million dollars. Well, you have negative goodwill because the assets are producing not enough profit. And they're actually worth more to sell off. So you have all kinds of terms. You can even have negative goodwill. And then we get into the two types of positive goodwill. You want, as a business buyer and a business owner and a banker, you want company goodwill means the company makes the money based on the whole of the company, not say the owner. If it's just the owner primarily, it's personal goodwill. And as an example, a company I ran into recently, they made a lot of money. The owner was the only one who could design the products and sell the products. The only person in the company. He goes away the company is not going to do nearly as well. So what goes into goodwill? And it's what goes into profit. So I get asked all the time, what's the multiple for that company or industry? Or I get people saying, I'd pay four, four and a half times EBITDA for that business or that industry. And I say, really, would you pay four and a half times if, you knew that one customer was 75% or three customers were 80% of their business versus no customer concentration or no owner dependency, or you if there's a key employee who the company is dependent on, or maybe a supplier. Banks will check out suppliers if it's a dominant supplier to a company. So there's a lot that goes into what the, company is worth what the goodwill actually is, besides just the profit number. A trend is another one. Uh, you know, two companies have the same earnings based on about the same sa- sales in the sa- similar industry. and One's been growing at 20% a year and one declining at 10% a year. Well, you're right. They're not worth the same. So it also comes into play with the asset allocation in a buy-sell deal. There's an interesting uh, quirk, a non-compete agreement to a seller is goodwill to the buyer. And while it's classified as goodwill, it is not capital gains to a seller, it is ordinary income. So I'm working on a deal a number of years ago and the CPA says, well, okay, we're gonna allocate the assets and he gives a list and he says, and 500,000 to non-compete. And I say, are you sure you wanna do that? And he says, well, yeah, it's goodwill. I said, you might wanna research that. I think you're gonna come back with a different number. And sure enough, he came back later that day or the old tail between the legs. And he said, yeah, okay. It's ordinary income to the seller. Uh, uh, Let's drop that number. See, typically, I don't care if it's a five or $10 million deal the value of the non-compete in the deal is going to be five to $10,000 because of that ordinary income thing. And uh, attorneys have told me it has no bearing on what the settlement could be if there's a violation of the non-compete. Now, in this particular example, it was easy for the buyer to go back to the other side and say to that CPA, well, how about I'll give in on the $500,000 of... Uh, non-compete value is give me 50000 uh, for towards training. Training is ordinary income to the seller, but immediately deductible by the buyer rather than the 15 years that goodwill is amortized over. So let me finish up with one other thing. My CPA friends tell me there are very few reasons, good reasons for a small mid-sized business to be a C-corp. Or what we would just call a regular corporation versus an S corp or what used to be called, you know, small corporation, small business corporation. They're taxed differently. And upon the sale of a business, if it's an asset purchase, which most business buyers want because then they are not inheriting all the legacy of the company over all the years. And they also get to then write off the goodwill over 15 years, advertise it that you don't get to do with a stock sale. There's double taxation to the seller. And if it's a small enough deal, and I don't know what small enough means these days, but let's just say it's under four or $5 million. You can have the buyer purchase the assets up to basis, no tax, and then purchase the personal goodwill directly from the owner and then amortize that over 15 years, and the seller gets the uh, capital gains treatment. If it gets a too big a deal, if it gets up easily over 5 million, I would say at this point, uh, you're gonna run into problems proving that the seller was that important. They have all that personal goodwill. And if you wanna research that, just Google, Martin Ice Cream Case with the IRS. And it goes into detail about how that works. So, back to the title of this uh, podcast Is Goodwill really all that good? And the answer is yes, definitely it is good. In fact, you might even say Goodwill is great because it means there's a lot of profits. Thanks for watching. This is John Martinka. And if you would like to reach my friend Lisa Forrest with Live Oak Bank to talk about their variety of programs for business acquisitions, you can email her at lisa.forrest. That's Forrest with two R's at liveoak.bank. Again, lisa.forrest at liveoak.bank. Again, John Martinka, thank you for watching and stay tuned for more editions of the Getting the Deal Done video podcast series.